The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon, and I am not Vena Jones-Cox. My name is Jerry. I'll be hosting the show this afternoon. Uh, Vena's on a very much needed uh, vacation. With me in the studio this evening is Rob, and um, we're going to be kind of talking about some of the mistakes and so forth that people make, uh, especially when they're getting into real estate. Uh, Rob, if you want to just kind of give us a little bit of overview. Exactly. Congratulations to you for listening to us today and your decision to take the first steps in building your financial future. In just the few short minutes we have together, uh, Jerry and I are going to talk about some mistakes that we see investors make, some advice and tips to shorten your learning curve, some traps to avoid, and some expectations you should have, as well as some action steps, what to do next. So let's get started. Jerry, I think one of the biggest mistakes we see folks make is not starting soon enough. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think most of us have the, the tendency to procrastinate and to do it when I get around to it, and that sort of thing. Uh, I think one of the most important things that that we, we can emphasize here is regardless of your age or where you are, uh, it is time to kind of bite the bullet and get started. Uh, the sooner you get started, the sooner you can get down this path to financial independence. Um, and again, it, it doesn't matter your age or your situation, uh, this is the time to get started. That's correct. Market's changing, things happening. We're not getting any younger. At some point, we might want to stop working. Work is a four-letter word, isn't it, sometimes? (laughs) It can be hard. So maybe creating another stream of income might be a great idea for the listener. Right. And, of course, not everybody wants to quit their job. Some people enjoy their jobs. And they just want that additional security. you know, nobody at this point can be sure that there'll be a pension at the end of the, the rainbow. So uh, I think it's up to all of us to provide for our for our own well-being later in life. And um, I, I absolutely believe that real estate is one of the best ways that you can do that. Absolutely. It seems to increase in value over time, and they're not making any more of it. Nope. Nope. So let's talk about some of the other things um, that need to come into play here. One of the things that I see a lot of times in in working with especially people newer to real estate investing is they think they can do it all themselves uh they they don't need anybody else i've you know i'm i'm a big boy i i can figure this out <laughs> so what what have you run into along that line think about our world these days if you're going to move up the ladder if you're going to get bigger better richer, further, you've got to do it yourself. You can't rely on other people. So a lot of our training and upbringing is you have to take that test, get the grade yourself. You have to do that interview and get it done yourself. Somebody else can't help you. I think we are trained to do things on our own. But the thing with real estate is 
we've got to have other help. We've got to have other people because I can't close my own deals. I have to have a title company. Right. I have to have a lawyer that's experienced in contract law or real estate law. I guess I don't always have to, but I would be wise to have good counsel. Uh, that's just smart. Contractors, painters, I don't want to do all the repairs necessarily. I need people that I can trust, that have insurance, the know-how for the things that frankly, may not be the best use of my time, but it's efficient for them because it is things that they do every day. And I know some people have talked to me about how they use the mailman as a contact for finding properties that maybe are run down on their mail route or rideshare drivers. A guy told me the other day he is paying a few dollars per lead for photos and addresses from rideshare drivers who send him leads on houses that are in disrepair. He likes single family houses. Of course, there's social media and other places people are specialist in finding deals. They might have different names, but essentially, loosely, they're they're deal finders. Right. So kind of loosely said, investing is a team sport. Investing is a team sport. You, you cannot possibly learn everything that you need to, need to learn and know uh, to do this job effectively, to do this business effectively. And it's finding and leaning on the people who do have that particular area of expertise. Like you said, everything from attorneys, and there are at least three different types of attorneys that I can think of that we use in this business. You've got the true real estate attorney, you've got the title company, and then uh, if if you're uh, somebody who has the buy and hold, uh, is a, a landlord, um, you're going to have evictions from time to time. So those are not the same people. Um, so it's actually finding out all those people that you need to have on your team and then finding names to put with those titles of everybody that you need uh, to be able to draw on at the appropriate time. And it's more fun to work with other people too. Yep. Have friends to build relationships Absolutely. with over time, yep. which I think leads to the next point about working only with real estate agents. Right. Um, real estate agents are a very uh, valuable part of this business, obviously. They have the majority of properties that are out there, especially the ones where someone has gotten to the point where they're actually listing that property to be sold. So that is, you know, a, a very uh, important part of the, the market uh, when we go out looking for these deals. But they do not have all of the properties. Um, for instance, when someone goes into probate, you know, that someone in the, in the uh, family has died and left a house to the estate, uh, someone has to take care of that. If, if one of the, the children or other heirs is not interested in moving into that house, for instance, they have to uh, find a way to get rid of that. And a lot of times those are homes that uh, they might not have been abused, but they haven't been kept up for many years while the, the person got older. Uh, they tend to have a lot of deferred maintenance and that sort of thing. Uh, a property that you really can't easily put onto the MLS and be be able to sell it. Um, and you easily. might be ashamed to put it on there Some if people, you were a listing yes. agent. It might make your name look bad. Right. Right. So uh, part of it is is learning that it's not just real estate uh, agents that you need to work with. There's uh, uh, some, some different concepts that we deal with. One is what we call driving for dollars, uh, where you literally get in your car and you drive around and you look at ugly houses and then you look up, you know, who owns that house and try to get in touch with them and put together a deal. A uh, shortcut to that is to find people who are called bird dogs who will do that for you. They'll go out and locate the deals and bring them to you. So, um, again, it's not, it's, it's not just real estate agents that we, we deal with here. Okay, uh, we're ready to take our first break here. We'll be back in just a minute. 
Welcome back. This is Jerry, and in the studio with me today is Rob. We're talking about the mistakes that we often see people new to the real estate investing world make. Um, I want to go back and kind of expand on one of the points we hit a minute ago. Uh, we talked about that it's it is a team sport, and you know it is not just ourselves. I think the other piece that comes into play here is what I would refer to as networking, is actually finding other people who are in the business. Um, how, how do you how do you see that playing out? Again, going along the mindset we said earlier, if it's going to be built, it it only has to do with me. Well, you need to take the first steps to decide you're looking for something. You're looking to grow another stream of income and then realize, I've got to talk to a couple of people. The advantage of getting together with other investors is you don't know what you don't know. You don't right. know what the next guy will know. You don't know sometimes what the question is you even need to be asking, but it may come out in a casual conversation. Wow, I didn't even know I didn't know that, whether it's related to codes or a, a legal action or, or what's happening in the community, or I didn't realize that vendor existed for me to even get that type of service or product and at a discounted or wholesale price. Not networking with others, is a real mistake. It's such an opportunity to get together with others. And as I mentioned earlier, it's a lot of fun. It's fun to grow with other people and have common interest. Right. And one of the things you find when you get into real estate investing is um, it, it gets to the point where most of the people who you know and socialize with are other real estate investors. And um, uh, it just kind of, it's it's a incestuous industry in a way, if you will. But uh, it, it does turn out uh, like that, that uh, the, the people who you are around are the people who have the like-minded uh, interests. And, and for, for us, that tends to be people who are, in some way or another, are involved in real estate. Well, they do say that birds of a feather flock together. Right. And the nice thing is, is uh, hopefully you find some good people that are heading the financial direction you're heading, and you won't have any... Anything unpleasant put upon you, let's right. say, right? <laughs> By running with the wrong crowd. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Um, how many how many houses have you bought without making an offer? That would be zero. Uh, yeah, yeah. I believe making an offer is <laughs> one of the most critical and required steps of purchasing any property. Right. And uh, you know, I, th I think um, obviously that's an intimidating uh, thing for people when they first get into the business is learning how to make offers. So, again, that's one of the things that we learn from being around these people who are in the business um, is how to make an offer, what's involved in doing that. And if we have a little bit of time at the end of uh, this session, we, we'll go into a little bit of, of some of the things that go into that particular process. But I think the, uh, the point here is that um, you need to make offers. You are not going to get every offer accepted. Um, and you you know, to a certain degree, you have to develop a little bit of a, a thick skin and be able to accept no and understand also that no is not always no. And it could be no now. Exactly. And frankly, you probably can't buy everything out there. And sometimes no is a benefit to you. You may find out later that deal had some wrinkles that may have made it really not in your best interest. So even a no or a no now might be okay. But like with dating, for example, or job interviewing, you can't work every job, you can't marry every person, you can't buy every property, but you've got to start, you've got to ask the question and say, hey, is there something here 
or we can have a meeting of the minds and work together and get that under contract, get the points on a piece of paper, sign it, and get a meeting of the minds and move that thing forward. But I think that leads to our next thing. When we buy those deals, we need what? Usually you need some sort of funding. Money. Right. I see folks wait too long to look for funding. It's great to know people and talk about deals, but at some point you need to meet those who have funding. And as you hang around with folks at, for instance, a, an in-person meeting, a networking event, a real estate investor association, it's going to come out about money. Hey, Jerry, who do you use to fund your deals? Do you use a particular financial institution? Do you use a company? Do you use an individual? How do you get money to do your deals? And it's amazing what people will tell you and how sometimes it's a whole lot easier to get funding for your good deals than you realize. Right. That's that's something that really comes out uh, once you get into the, the business and start doing it is if you have a good deal, you will find the funding for it. Um, Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the, the networking uh, that we're talking about is where you find those people. Um, and here it's not even necessarily the... Uh, you know the the people may be in your specific group, but it it can be people that you know. Um, I've borrowed money from the gal who cuts my hair. I've borrowed money from uh, friends that I used to work with in the the real world, if you will, back when I quote worked for a living. Um, so uh, it's it's amazing how once you start thinking in this way, how you can find those sources of funding. As Robert said, uh, anything from a financial institute institution to individuals to um, there are various uh, funding companies out there that you'll become aware of once once you kind of get into this this world and then there's the cost of money sometimes I hear numbers like five percent or fifteen percent or points don't let any of that stand in your way go find the deal don't worry too bad about the cost of money if the deal won't support the cost of the money Maybe it wasn't a good enough deal. Maybe there wasn't enough margin in there. Maybe it's okay to pass on that deal. So it helps to find funding and then pay attention to the funding, of course. Read the fine print, ask the questions. But don't let that stop you from making those offers and going out and getting that right. Getting that next deal. The, the thing about the cost of money is that as long as you have built that into your cost structure and you understand what that money is really going to cost you, and one of the concepts that comes into play at this point is the length of time that you hold this particular investment. Say, for instance, you're going to do a rehab and sell to an, a, a homeowner. How long are you going to have that money out? So if it's going to take you three months to fix that house and get it sold, that's one thing. If it's going to take you nine months to do that, your cost of money in the in the sense of what what are called holding costs uh, go up uh, substantially. So it's just you need to uh, understand what you're doing, put those numbers together, and make sure that your cost structure supports the deal. And as long as the numbers work, uh, you're, you're good to go on that particular deal. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's right. move to the people if you're ready for that. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I think a lot of people uh, tend to listen to what I will call the the wrong people. Um, one of those examples we we talked a few minutes ago about how once you're in this for a while, it seems like all your friends are in real estate. Um, so some of the wrong people are people who uh, say you know it's it's a racket. You can't make money in real estate. 
you, you know, you'll never be able to do that or whatever. What, what are some how, of the how could you that, borrow all that money? Right. Oh, I can't imagine being a million dollars in debt. And people who crush your dreams are not people you want to be around. That's not going to help you get to your next level in life. Frankly, whether it's spiritual, mental, social, physical, financial, being careful about your input. It's just like eating. If I eat bad food, I'm going to feel badly. If I put bad things in my head, what's going to happen? Probably bad things. I'll be depressed. I'll be down. Listening to the wrong people can be probably worse than doing a bad deal because it can affect you for a long time. Right. And listening to the right people and the wrong people is everything from, you know, actually having conversations with those people to what is it that you read and listen to? Um, you know, most of us, uh, you know, read self-improvement books of one sort or another. I tend to read a lot of financially oriented, uh, information. I'm, I'm an accountant by training, so that's kind of my, my thing. But, um, also just how, how does all this finance work in and around real estate and our lives in total? Uh, I think that's, that's a, a big part of that. So what, what do you read? What do you listen to? Um, you know, any, any kind of recorded materials, uh, you know, you pull out your cassette tapes and what, you know, what do you listen to on cassette tape? Uh, if you could still find a cassette player, but, um, you know, it, it is really just, what do you fill your mind with? And that's, that is kind of where you go. So you want to want to try to get rid of all the negative influence that you can and, and put a lot of positive influence into your life. Any other points on that one? Okay. I think you've covered it. All right. Um, the next one I think we can get through before the next break here real quick is a lot of times we overthink a deal. And what do you what do you see people oh. doing there? Oh, this can be a killer too. Thinking you've got to have all the numbers. You've got to know all the repairs. You've got to know how much everything costs, how much it's going to cost to fix it, how long you're going to hold it how long it's going to take you to sell it if you're buying it, fixing it, and reselling it. How long will it take to rent? How much does it cost to mow the grass? How many weeks am I going to have to mow the grass? What will the utilities be while I hold it? When, and that's just when in a single-family house. When did they buy it? What's their mortgage balance? Exactly. What, what's cetera, the history? Cetera, what's the seller thinking? Oh, I've got to get in their mind. Analysis paralysis. You think, you think, you think, you think. And, and what's the real issue behind that? We really just don't want to what? Lose... Lose control, lose, lose control, money, lose money, yeah. lose time, yeah. and maybe lose face. Maybe right. have an embarrassing situation we don't want people to find out about. Right. So part of it is just becoming efficient at being able to get through this analysis, um, you know, quickly and expediently and still correctly. Um, I'm not saying that you should be willy nilly and just throw numbers against the wall and you know I, I want you to do the analysis but uh to learn how to do that efficiently and which pieces of that really are important and which are just uh procrastination tactics in a lot of cases okay anything else on that one i think it's just time to take some action just, right. time to take some action and how about point, after the break we'll take another break <laughs> we'll take a break right. and talk about contractors and right. improving property Welcome back. This is Jerry, and in the studio with me today is Rob. We're talking about some of the mistakes that we see beginners into the real estate uh, investing world make. And uh, 
I think we've hit on some good ones, but I think we still got a few left here. So. Exactly. So we've met some people. We've begun to build our team. We've made some offers. We have gotten our property. Now, what's the next plan? So let's talk for a moment about improving or over-improving a property, contractors, and then maybe not just hiring, but firing them. So, Jerry, you've been in that industry for a long time. Right. We see beautiful things on television sometimes, maybe uh, a bathroom that maybe costs $12,500 to renovate when that might not be practical for real estate investors. Uh, that's a tendency to over-improve the property. What would you Correct. say to that? Correct. I mean, some, sometimes what you what you see on those shows is the you know their costs in a particular area of the country, which obviously can be a little bit different. But I think the the thing that we see that's a real problem is people doing what we call over improving a property. Uh, one of the things that that we have to get over is the the concept of you know I'm not going to live in this house. I am doing this house to prepare it for someone to live there. I want it to be nice. I want it to be safe, clean, all those things. But I don't want to spend dollars that I don't have to spend um, on something. So, for instance, let's let's just talk about countertops in a kitchen. If I'm in a, a house that's below the median price for my area, you know, whatever your area is, you can look that up and find out what your median price is. But if I'm working on a house that's substantially less than the median, um, I'm going to put laminate countertops in that particular kitchen. If I'm working at one that's substantially over the median, uh, going into my luxury homes, I'm going to use granite or quartz or something like that, um, you know, to to actually be the appropriate thing to do in that particular uh, neighborhood. For instance, if I put laminate in, in that nice house, I'm not going to sell that house, right? Or if I do, it'll take a long time and it'll sell for less because people are going to come in and say, well, I'm going to have to redo this kitchen once I'm in here. On the other hand, if I put the granite in the 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 you know somewhat lower end house the issue is that I've spent a lot of money um, that I'm not really going to get back so it's it's actually learning how to make the appropriate uh, repairs and upgrades for a particular house and the way I always like to look at that is I want to go around and I want to find out what the norm is for this particular neighborhood in which I'm working so um, going to open houses is a wonderful way to get that feel. Uh, either, you know, go see what the the builders are doing in that neighborhood, if it's an area that they're actually building, or go in and look at a rehabber's uh, property. You know, when he puts it on the on the market to sell, go see what the norms are for that particular neighborhood. And I always want my house to be right at the top of that. I want, you know, when, when the family comes in, I want them to say, okay, this is the nicest thing that we've seen in this neighborhood, in this price range this is the house. So that's that's kind of my goal is uh, to do the appropriate rehab but not over-improve for the neighborhood. Now, does that change if the house is being, again, we're sticking with single-family houses in this example, what if you are renting it? You are not putting it on the market on the MLS, listing it for resale to a good family. You are renting it to a good family who will borrow it in effect for a time, a right. year, two years, three years, whatever, and then they will move on to whatever their next living situation is. Would we spend the same kind of money on a rehab to rent versus a rehab to sell? Um, some things, yes. Um, if you're going to put a roof on a house, 
it's going to cost the same kind of regardless of whether it's going to be for a rental or for a retail house. But other things like kitchens, bathrooms, um, even flooring, um, we will do different things in that house. And sometimes over the years, the trends change. So Absolutely. You, the kitchen of today may not be the kitchen of five years from now. Right, right. Um, you know, if I'm working on a, a rental, for instance, I tend to lean toward materials that are more durable. Uh, for instance, you know, I, people are rough in rental houses sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. A lot of traffic in and a out. A lot of traffic, um, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, there is in some of the, you know, some of the rental community, the the idea that this isn't my property, you know, so they're a little bit, little bit rougher on it. So, you know, I will tend to use, you know, tile in kitchens and bathrooms um, for the flooring, for instance, so that I don't have to replace it so often. Um, I will use very nice products, but the luxury vinyl tile uh, instead of carpet. Uh, it, it's much more durable. It lasts a lot longer. And actually, a lot of people actually like it better because it's, it's so much easier to keep clean than, than carpet is. So, yes, you make decisions um, uh, based on the end user, uh, the market, um, all those sorts of things all come into play. But it is still a balancing act of what is the appropriate amount to spend on this particular house in this particular neighborhood for the particular end user. Now, one of the ways we could save money, of course, is we could hire the cheapest contractor. That that seems like a good way to go, right? Labor is <laughs> one of your costs. We've talked about materials in this last point, but now let's talk about labor. So right. hiring the cheapest contractor, would, would that be a, a good idea? It, it's not necessarily a bad idea it's not necessarily a good idea um, so it depends it, it absolutely depends um and and this is one of the things where your network can really help you uh because when you have to go out and find a plumber okay you want to you want to find somebody who will do the appropriate work at a fair price and show up when they say and show up and you know have the appropriate licenses and permits and all that sort of thing uh, we have to have a product that we can be economical uh, in in the in the rehab and resale of that. So we need contractors who do good work at appropriate prices. Um, and one of the things you, that we get into there is uh, to a little bit, to a little degree, is what level of home am I working on? Um, you know, if I'm working on a luxury home, I am going to go out and hire more expensive contractors who are much more skilled um, than you know. If I'm if I'm doing a, a turnover on a on a rental, for instance, uh, I don't need that finished carpenter at you know eighty dollars an hour. You know, but if I'm doing a you know a million dollar home somewhere, then yeah, it's probably appropriate to hire those guys. And the turnover, of course, means that time when you have one tenant move out and a Correct. new tenant move in and the repairs that need to happen during that time while it turns over from one tenant to another. Correct. Plus, there's also the, the contractor cost of, is it rehabbing to resell? Is or it rent. in the median? Is it yeah. below the median, above the median? Or am I rehabbing it to rent again? And then if we made good choices before on, say, the tile and the flooring, well, maybe we only have to clean that and we hire a cleaning crew to do the floor and then we don't have to replace that correct as opposed to the comment about the carpet sometimes carpet may not wear as long as these other right surfaces you know one of one of the ways that i look at when i am um, first picking up a, a rental property one that i am planning to keep for a long time is i want to get as much of the deferred maintenance out of the way up front 
so that I don't have to keep coming back, you know, every few months and, and work on that thing. Um, so I, I, you know, I want to put in, you know, the more durable flooring. I want to make sure that I have, you know, decent windows in that home. I want to make sure that the furnace and air conditioner are in good shape, the roof's in good shape, that sort of thing. So I try to make them, you know, as bulletproof as possible, you know, if, if I'm going to hold them for years and years. Now, there are times, unfortunately, where we will work with a contractor or a vendor and things don't always work out. Maybe they don't really perform as you expected. They didn't do what they said. There was unmet expectations on either my part, your part, their part, whoever. Is one of the mistakes sometimes not parting ways or firing a contractor fast enough? Right. I think all of us um, hate that confrontation, you know, of having to go fire somebody. Uh, But there are times when you absolutely have to do that. Um, The contractor isn't showing up for instance. They're just not getting done. And we talked a little bit earlier about the, the, the holding costs. You know, every every week, every month that I hold that thing, it costs me hundreds or maybe thousands of dollars, depending on the particular property that I'm working with. And that comes out of my, my profit at the end. Um, so uh, staying up on your contractors, having follow-up systems uh, where you actually meet with them, you know, a couple times a week on site, make sure what what's going on, that they are doing what they're supposed to. And then if they are not, um, you know, you, you kind of have to come to a meeting of the minds and, you know, either you have to get this done by, you know, by Friday or we're going to have to, you know, part ways. Um, sometimes that's the only way to do it. And you, you go, you meet with them, uh, you explain where you are on that. You say, you know, Here's where I believe you are on the contract. I think I owe you X. You come to a, a meeting on that. You have them sign what's called a lien waiver, saying that, you know, okay, I've been paid in full. Uh, you trade them the lien waiver for their last check, and then you go find somebody to finish that job. Uh, and of course, that's always another can of words, is find, finding somebody to come in midstream and finish a job, but that's a, that's a different issue, kind of. Well, one of the topics we touched on briefly was uh, we talked about single family homes and our some of our examples here and renting to other folks renting to tenants and sometimes tenants have situations where things don't go their way things don't go as they expected and sometimes they are not able to pay that rent that's due now there's more to investing than only renting single family homes but this is an example here to illustrate the point that not evicting tenants quickly enough can be a big mistake. Absolutely. Um, again, you know, holding costs when you're when you're fixing them up and getting uh, them ready to sell or rent, and on the other side, not being able to collect rent on the on the backside, uh, both of those are co- costing you money coming out of of your pocket. So um, now this is something that you know, depending on where in the country you are you will have to learn and know your local regulations. Um, You know, some places it's easier to evict somebody than other places. So it's, uh, it is actually learning that. And again, this is one of those places where your network and these people that you've met and put on your team uh, can absolutely help you out. So you want to make sure that you follow the, uh, the regulations. Uh, Don't go change the locks on somebody's, house you know for or instance. take the door off the hinges. take the door off the hinges to have the water turned off um you know do don't do any of those things that we're tempted to do sometimes but um 
yeah, you, you need to understand the, the local regulations. And you, again, you learn that from the people that you've been meeting and putting on your team. I think our next mistake we see folks make is not getting the education that they need to become successful along the lines of building your team, meeting with others, networking, getting started, meeting other folks who have like or similar interest or getting in the room where those people are. That's how you're going to get this education. We've covered a lot of things that both of us have gotten through our education of working with others, being around others, asking questions listening to others impart their wisdom, whether it's come from experience uh, or or other sources, not getting the education you need, that's, that can be a big mistake. Yep. And let's, uh, let's hit that when we come back from break and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate. I am Jerry, and in the studio with me today is Rob. We're talking about some of the common mistakes that we see people new to the real estate investing world are making. Um, Just before the break, we were starting to talk about, um, you know, where do we go from here? So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, We talked a lot about the network and where we can go to we want to talk now about where can we go to meet some of these people. So, you know, well, what we can are, learn are, on our own, which is the school of hard knocks, the school of hard painful knocks and ineffective. You can, you can do it. You know, I'm a guy, darn it. I can do anything I want to, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I might eventually be able to, but you know, that's not a very effective way to, to get an education. Definitely not it? the most efficient. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the second thing that we, we hear an awful lot is, um, you know, there's a lot of information out there on the internet and the, and if it's on the internet, it must be true. It must right? be true. It must be yeah, true. They, they can't the put it. They can't put it out there unless it's true. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> so um, I, I I think what I see the problems be there uh, is that the information that you get out there is kind of sketchy. Um, you don't really know if the people who are putting this stuff out there really know what they're talking about. Have they done it? Yes. Have, have they, they got they experience in what they're or, talking about? Or, you know, was the last deal that they did in, you know, 1997, <laughs> you know, yes. you see some of that. Um, so, you know, it's sketchy, it's incorrect. And, um, and the other side I think is, you know, you, you talk a lot about, you know, just the accountability hit, hit on that for a second. It's easy for someone to type something, but what happens if you read it, you act on that information, and it's wrong? What if it costs you money? What if it causes you to inadvertently break a law? What if it lands you in some unfortunate place like a courtroom? Well, Your Honor, I read that on the Internet. That's the advice that I... I thought that was right. It was on the internet. It was on XYZ. Is that going to fly? Where is the accountability of the writer? Another thing to consider is where is, what's their motivation? Sometimes people will put things out there because they're looking to drive a particular behavior to get you to purchase something, to lead you down a particular path, come to this event. Is there some motivation? Right. Is that okay for you to take advice from someone without you knowing what their angle is. That's risky. I think you want to know their motivation. It is. And that kind of leads into the the next, you know, kind of area where you can get your education. Uh, We've all seen the, uh, you know, the the national uh, real estate companies that come through town. 
Uh, you've probably seen, you know, the, the face on TV on one of the shows. And they, um, they're, they're coming to town for, you know, a, a one-day seminar, and it's free or it's maybe or two hours or two or half an hour or, or a half a day or, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, their, their motivation is to sell you into their coaching programs, um, which can be quite expensive. And um, from my knowledge of them, you know, it's not necessarily that what they teach is is incorrect. It is just that it is a kind of a long drawn out way um, of getting that information. A lot of times you have to go to multiple seminars in multiple cities uh, over the course of one to two years to kind of get uh, that education that they're offering you. And that's travel, airfare, hotel expense, as well as food, eating somewhere else, being away from family, not to mention. Correct. So, um, and, and one of the interesting things about Every one of those big companies that I am aware of is somewhere in their training. They will eventually tell you, go join your local real estate investors group, whatever it's called. It may be called a real estate investors association or a property owners association or whatever it's called in your particular area. Uh, And the reason they do that is to drive you to local information. So, um, you know, in in your real estate groups, there are local people who are doing the particular type of real estate investing that you are interested in doing. Uh, if, if you come to a real estate investors group, you will find people who are doing landlording, you know, owning and holding. You'll find people who are what we call retailing, fixing up and selling. You'll find people who are buying and selling notes. Um, you'll find people who are uh, putting properties under contract and then selling their interest in the in the contract. Um, you'll you will find the local contractors. You'll find the local attorneys, and all those people are at your local real estate investors group. So, it sounds think, like a good place to do networking and meet right. others that aren't just real estate agents right. and people who might motivate you to have a good attitude to get started to start making offers. Uh, maybe they're the right people to listen to. Maybe they'll help you find funding and help you see that the cost of funding funding or cost of the money isn't really the biggest problem. Uh, and that if you have the tendency to maybe be holding on to that one deal that you think is going to be your deal, it's going to be the deal. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. awesome. And just chasing that one deal to the end or maybe not firing that contractor quickly enough, over-improving that property moving those tenants out, that is where you're going to get that education. And if you're not sure the questions to ask, just go and start meeting and talking to people. And that's going to come out and you're going to come away with way more than you expected. Right. And I think one of the, one of the things that I've actually learned from you is, is one of your almost patented, um, networking, um, questions. And, uh, why don't you go ahead and share that one with everybody? Who else should I meet? That is fantastic. I went to a group once. I didn't know anyone. I knew I didn't know anyone. And I showed up and I met the person at check-in. I did my check-in procedure. And then at the end, I said with a smile, hey, who else should I meet? And she pointed me to the next guy. I went over, introduced myself, asked what their interest in real estate was. They asked me what my interest in real estate was, the law of reciprocity there. And at the end, with a smile, I said, Hey, tell me, who else should I meet? And they led me to the next person. Well, that repeated, and I kid you not, inside a half an hour, I had already met 
who were probably the power players in that room already. They knew who I was. They knew crystal clear I was there for this particular reason that I stated, and they introduced me to other people. And so I know, Jerry, I, at your association, you have folks the same do the same thing. Right. They may be hosts or greeters. They might actually have a name. But the truth is it's the first smiling face that I would come to see, and their job is to greet you and say welcome. But if I'm an attendee, a key phrase to ask when you're coming to your local group is saying, hey, who else should I meet? Exactly. And they'll point you to some great folks. And what, what you find in these groups is that these, these are good people. <laughs> um, they, they're willing to help you um, it, wherever you are in your journey, whether you're just starting out, whether you're in the process of you know, building your, your real estate um, empire, whether you're further along um, with what we what we refer to as enders, you know those people who are to the point where they've 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 built their empire, they're um, to the point where they can actually live off the uh, passive income from their uh, holdings or their business. Um, so wherever you are, uh, what we, what we like to say is we we try to meet you where you are and be able to help each other, and it's it's a huge huge. Uh, advantage to be around like-minded people. Exactly. So um, we just have a few minutes left here. Let's uh, maybe hit hit a little bit of but about an action plan. Where do, where do people take go? Let's take action. Where, where do, do we go? go now? Let's get going. So the first thing is let's figure out why are you doing this and why don't you reduce it to writing? Why are you coming to this meeting? Why are you interested in real estate investing? Why are you interested in, frankly, whatever you're interested in? If you're interested in gardening, why? Why are you coming? A couple of reasons. What do you see folks say? They're interested in financial reasons or freedom or... Exactly. Um, you know, some people, uh, you have to have a why. Okay. Why, why do you get involved? Is it is it for your personal finances? Is it, you know, I want to found a, a foundation that, you know, uh, for animal cruelty or whatever it might be. Uh, More money to give to something good. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's what's your why to get involved? And it's it's not always just, you know, I need to eat. <laughs> you know, it, it can be way, way beyond that. Um, I, I want to provide, you know, a better a better life for my family, for myself in my later years. I want to leave a legacy to my children and grandchildren. It, you know, I want to found that foundation, whatever it is. Uh, it's the why of, of why are you getting involved in this? And I've met people, and I don't know you have too, where they're not sure what that is, and they're a little lost. So we might ask the next question, which, what interests you? And it could be, I'm interested in mobile homes, I'm interested in rentals or apartments or whatever. And sometimes they seem a little lost, and invariably I'll go back one step up and say, why are you even interested in real estate? And I find out when they don't know what interests them or they're a little vague, it's because they really don't have a good why in place. Mm -hmm. So another thing that I see that can be very important is thinking about the budget, not only of their time, but of their money. So first off, how much do you have in terms of money to invest in your education for your investing, say for the first year? Is it $300 for the year? Is it $1,000? Is it three to 5000 You want to move a little quicker. There's also a financial budget for finding deals and opportunities. Is it $50 a week to put gas in your car to drive for dollars, as you mentioned earlier? Exactly. Is it $5,000 for a down payment? 
on that nasty house you find that you want to rehab and that you hope to find in the next 90 to 180 days. Where, where are you? What's going to work for you? Then think about the time. I think this is one of the things we overlook. But what is the time? How many hours per week do you have to fill your mind with good info to come to the local meeting and meet some other folks and talk with them? Get to your local investor association and how you find these people can be through different online tools, through searches, and through word of mouth. I can tell you, I find out, found out about our local group because of a word of mouth referral. I asked someone. Uh, you can look for keywords. That's how I found out as well. Yeah. You can look for keywords to try to find it. But really, once you arrive and you ask, who else should I meet? Get in there and see if the intent of the meeting is about helping every member or is it about helping just a few? That's so important. If it's a group where everyone's looking to help everyone else, man, that's just really where you want to be. Right. Right. And I think you'll find that with most of the real estate investor groups around is that they are very open and willing to help each other. And um, I know that's why I've stayed involved all these years. And I'm uh, just excited talking about it. This is, is fantastic. <laughs> yes, it's, it is. it's been great here to be with you today and, and talk about this. And, and the listeners, we hope you'll get moving, get motivated, and get going with real right. estate and, investing. And Rob, thanks for, thanks for being with us today. Thank and, you, Jerry. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Real Life Real Estate.